Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Y'all, oh my God, Food Heals Nation, I just got the softest sheets and pajama set from Cozy Earth, and I had to go and get you a discount code too, so that you could experience the coziness as well. You can visit CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS, and you'll get an exclusive 35% off. So Cozy Earth, it's like your one-stop shop for what they call the luxury she deserves. So listen up, guys because this could make a great gift for that special someone, your girlfriend, your wife, the mother in your life. And don't forget, Mother's Day will be here before we know it. So get a gift for the mom or moms. Here's a nice little gift you could ask for. Anyways, let's start with the sheets to transform your sleep. The coolest thing about Cozy Earth Bedding is that it is temperature regulating. So you stay cool, which is so important when you're sleeping. Plus they are just so soft. It feels like I'm sleeping on a cloud. Plus I love the cozy earth quality and longevity promise. All products come with a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty. So incorporating cozy earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and just overall wellness. So Again, this is the luxury you deserve. You can treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. 
And while you're at it, don't forget to check out the Bamboo Pajama Set. It was awarded Oprah's Favorite Things in 2019, so you know it's good. I love the softness and breathability of the fabric, and it has these really great side pockets. And don't forget that by supporting our sponsors, you support this show. Head over to CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEELS for an exclusive 35% off, and go get your mom the luxury she deserves on Mother's Day at CozyEarth.com with promo code FOODHEELS. Food Heals Podcast, episode 227. Life is about other people. It's about connecting with other people and doing it together. Like this is why we are on the planet. We're a piece of a puzzle. I don't believe that we truly find where we fit and completely understand who we are until we bring people into our lives. I believe that we're whole right now, but I don't think that we can access certain parts of ourselves until we meet certain people. You meet someone and they might hold the key that unlocks what's already in you. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put in their Lululemons and take a yoga class while drinking a green juice. If you experience any of these symptoms, text your priest immediately. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today, we're chatting with blissed out babe, Lori Harder. Lori is a leader in facilitating transformation through mindfulness, fitness, and self-love. She helps people lock in their transformation by teaching her tribe how to create lasting relationships that support their goals long-term. Lori is the creator of the Top 100 Earn Your Happy podcast, the founder of the Bliss Project event, and the author of A Tribe Called Bliss. Best book ever. Seriously. I love that title. I love that title. So good. It's so good. But first, don't forget that we are going to Italy in 2019. It'll be our second annual Food Heals Vegan Italian Getaway. I'm so excited. Let us know if you want to join us before the price goes up November 30th. We are going to the Amalfi Coast where we're going to stay in a gorgeous villa. We're going to eat all the olives from the olive trees. We're going to drink all the wine from the grapes grown on property. Everything is organic and vegan and delicious. We're going to go on boat rides. We've got our infinity pool. We're going to explore the local towns like Positano. We're going to go shopping. We're going to immerse ourselves in the beautiful Italian culture. So if you want to look at pictures from last year's retreat, you can search the hashtags on Instagram, Food Heals Italy and Food Heals Retreat, and they should all pop up. You can also go to foodhealsnation.com slash Italy and download the retreat brochure so you can see exactly what you're going to get. The dates again, June 15th to June 22nd. You'll see all the pictures from last year. It really is the best time of year to go. There's not too many tourists quite yet. It's not quite as hot. So it's just great weather. It's a beautiful beautiful experience. I truly hope that you will join Food Heals Nation for the ultimate vegan Italian getaway. Next up, our interview with Lori. The Food Heals Podcast starts now. She's a successful entrepreneur running two seven-figure businesses, network marketing professional, number one best-selling author, 
And, and plus, she's a TEDx speaker, a 10-time cover model, a three-time fitness world champion. Please welcome Lori Harder. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thanks for joining us. This is so much fun. I love whenever I can talk to like, especially two women at once. It's amazing. It's like a coffee clutch. It is. Don't you feel like something else opens up? Like, I feel like another, we open another like portal of like, I don't know. It's true. <laughs> Inspiration. It's true. Women are very verbal. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> it's our own little blissful tribe today. <laughs> it is. Oh, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lori. So for those who don't know, tell Food Heals Nation a little bit about who you are and what you do. Oh man. Um, I am a, I, I would call myself a transformational speaker, a podcast host, an author. Really, ultimately though, I'm really finding my space in the world as just a connector. Like I love to connect women to their tribe, to themselves. Really, really enjoy basing everything I do off of creating spaces for people to connect and realize. Because I, I believe that when we connect, we really our, our stories lose their power. The stories of shame or fear or whatever's holding us back, it all really loses its power because we realize that we're all going through the same thing. And then I find also women are just verbal processors. Like it's almost like we got to get it up and out in order to get over it. I was just rereading um, some passages from like Men Are From Venus, Women Are From Mars or whatever that book is called. And I was like remembering like, oh my God, men and women are so different and Mm. we do process things differently and we have to talk things out with our girlfriends and men don't. And sometimes it can provide this huge disconnect between male friends, between someone you're in a relationship with. And I've been really trying to remember that with my communication because I'm like, I'm a great communicator. What's your problem? (laughs) (laughs) It's It's true. (laughs) It's true. Little girls. I remember this from my developmental psychology class. Little baby girls and little toddlers, I guess maybe even women and and young girls too, all of us talk like 10 times as much as the little boys of the same age. Like they are 10 times as verbal. They say 10 times as many words in an hour. You know what I mean? Like we're just, we're so, that's how we process. That's how we move through the world. Oh my God. Yes. I go on a walk every single day with my husband and I swear to you, like it, I'll, I'll be talking about one thing, but I'll hit it from 10 different sides. Right. Cause there yeah. is 10 different sides to everything. If you don't know that <laughs> it's like, he'll be like, Oh my God. Like you, I get it. You said it once. I'm like, you know that I need to process like this. <laughs> <laughs> As long as you can create that understanding, it can work. But it's like, Mm -hmm. all right, guys, stop trying to solve our problems and just listen. Let us have it out because that's what our girlfriends do. Then they will Mm -hmm. offer advice if solicited. But really, we don't want our problems to be solved by you. We just want you to listen to our 10 different versions of the story. (laughs) Because I'm going to figure it out once I say it 10 times. Like Exactly. Yes. Okay. So um, the reason that you're really all about helping women empower each other and find their tribe is because you grew up and kind of isolated and you talk about that on your podcast and your book. Can you tell us about growing up and how that really shaped who you are today? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so, it's, it's so crazy because obviously if you do a lot of work and self-development, it's kind of like you realize that your most painful times have definitely spurred your purpose in the world. Like we find our purpose in those rock bottom moments. And just in those times when you just feel like you don't have any answers, it's because it really makes you go and look at a solution, right? So to anyone who's maybe in those moments of feeling isolated or in those rock bottom moments, it's like, you don't 
start solving a problem unless you're in the problem. So looking back, it's, it's kind of like, I, I grew up in a really small town. You know, I heard my whole life that we had bad genetics because my family was really overweight and it was kind of like this conversation about just wait, it's coming for you. You know, just looking at the state of all of the people who were around me, my current tribe, it was like I had a lot of people who weren't very happy and struggle was our story, whether it was with weight or whether it was financial or whether it was religious or whether it was, I just felt like there was just always this struggle in this battle. And I remember thinking like, I don't want to be in this struggle my whole life. Like I don't want to wind up like this. So As far as with the genetics, it was kind of like, that's when I started on the fitness path. And the reason I talk about the fitness path of that was really my first direction into what I'm doing now is because I just wanted to feel better. I just didn't want that pain of being made fun of in school anymore because I was overweight, or I didn't want the pain of being made fun of because of my religion. And I just really believed that these fitness women that I saw on TV or that I saw in magazines I thought that if you were really fit or if you were beautiful, that you were confident. Like, mm-hmm. that's really what I thought. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, if I get fit, if I get beautiful, I will be confident. I will be loved and I will be connected. I won't be lonely anymore. You know, I will just be protected. Like I really viewed being fit or beautiful as like armor. And yeah. so I started out on this fitness journey. And what ended up happening, as you guys know, is when you move your body, you basically create a spiritual awakening. It's like a shedding. It's like a uh, your soul. You can start to hear what your soul is saying to you. And I really believe the only way we can do that is through like healing foods and movement. That was the beginning of wow. You you know, even though I was really isolated, I started to be spoken to in that way. So my soul, God, source, whatever you want to call it was really starting to talk to me through whenever I would go move my body and do things like that. So I started to really know that fitness was going to be a modality for me to help other people. And I also knew I wanted to help people because I was so isolated. I felt all of the pain of being, of transcending different tribes, of knowing that maybe I don't fit in a certain place anymore and what that feels like in the transition to something. But that was really the beginning of noticing like, wow, I really want to help people and I'm really going to do it through fitness. And I feel like I need to connect to myself to, in order to connect with other people. So that, that really opened up that whole world of tribe and connecting to people. Wow. And so when you're in this fitness world and you change your body, how does your mindset really change with it? And did you ever go, Oh, now I'm fit, but I'm still unhappy inside. Or did it all happen kind of together. Cause we know a lot of people that have that belief, they lose a bunch of weight and they say, people will love me when I'm thin, I'm pretty, I'm whatever. And then they realize that they're thin or whatever, and they're still miserable. So how did that happen for you? Oh my God. You can, you can change your body. You can change all of those things. You can change the way you eat, but if you don't change the way that you think about yourself and confront your stories that you're telling yourself, maybe that you're not worthy or that you're still carrying something that someone said to you in sixth grade, or maybe that you're one of your parents left you or you were abandoned or a boyfriend cheated on you. If we don't confront those things, we'll carry it our whole life. And it doesn't matter what you look like or how thin you are, you will always be heavy and you will feel heavy as far as like being able to move through the world. And I think that was the only thing for me that really, you know, once you start to move towards a goal and you start to observe that, oh my God, I made it to this point. And, you know, I had even won fitness competitions. Like I had completely transformed my body and I, 
ended up like winning three different competitions in, in one year, like doing world championships. And I still, it's like, I, I remember after I know, poor me, I know, <laughs> but I remember I always tell that story and I'm like, that sounds so funny because I remember afterward, I was like, oh my God, this wasn't it. Like it was it, but it wasn't. I no, missed it. I have to interject, Lori. No, that it's not poor you. It's like, that's, that's what everybody, if every, it, I'm stumbling over my words. I'm so excited. <laughs> I felt the same way. I felt mm-hmm. like if, when I get married, I'm going to be happy. When I have the career that I've dreamt about, I'm going to be happy when, or I'm going to feel better about myself. When I have X amount of money in my bank account, then I will give myself permission to feel good about myself. So everybody has some level of that, I believe, Mm -hmm. unless they go through what you did and you, and you get it. And then you're like, oh, wait, what, why am I still feeling the same way? So Mm -hmm. it's, I'm sorry to interrupt. I had to interject. It's like, no, not poor you. That's, that's the, that's what happens. Right. So please continue. Mm, It was, and I love that you shared that. Thank you for sharing that because it's just, I think that that is what so many people listening are feeling is like, okay, no, I really, really will feel better when I get that guy or that job or that thing or recognize for that. And while yes, it does totally feel momentarily better. It is like, man, it's just a hot flash in the pan. Like you're lucky if it lasts more than a day or two before you go back to still feeling a void and feeling unworthy, like going back to that same story that you haven't yet confronted. So for me, it was that I'm not valuable, that I need to be, that I need to have these titles in order for people to want to be around me, that I need to look a certain way in order to fit in or for people to finally take me seriously or for me to be loved So I was striving for these different titles and these different things that nothing different was happening. Like nobody was calling me to be on covers of magazines. I still had to pitch myself for everything. Like every single thing that I've done, I've had to pitch over and over. I've had to go out and get it for myself. I've had to go create. And it's kind of like those moments of realization that you have to be deeply satisfied with who you are and you have to figure out what that looks like. Like you have to know that you are valuable and how in the world do you create that and what's missing? So that's when I really started to take some serious inner inventory on what's my story here? Like what, what do I really want and what's blocking me from actually feeling happy, feeling worthy and feeling joy. And what are the things that make me light up? Like what makes me feel really good? And at that point it was no longer like, Oh, I need this Tyler. I need this thing. It was like, I want community. Like I wanted to create community and have women feel like they had somewhere to go. I, because I wanted that, right. I wanted that safe space. I wanted that deep connection. I wanted, I just wanted to be able to have women have a place to work through all of these stories and feel connected as they are right now, like feel accepted and connected as they are right now with a bunch of other women who are learning to accept themselves and realize that you're all one. So that's really where that came from is this deep, like, Oh my God, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm not, I'm never going to be enough until I decide that I'm enough. And let me tell you, this is a work in progress. Like I'm still deciding I'm enough because even when I, even when I hit a level of like, Oh my God, I'm so good. I'm so proud of myself. Then I find this other black hole. That's like, Oh, you're now being revealed that you don't feel enough over here. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> That's so true. So it's, it's constant. 
Yeah, it's like, I, I feel the same way. It's like, I'm on the upward trajectory of feeling good at myself when I'm doing all of these things. But then there's still ups and downs along the way. But in general, it's going up. But that doesn't mean totally. I still don't revert to those old feelings sometimes. And so I love uh, your idea of creating communities. And I think they're super important, especially in this day and age when we are all about this entrepreneurial hustle and you have to make right. it on your own. And you have to, you know, even as a woman, we're feminists who don't need to be taken care of by a man, but it also creates a lot of aloneness and a lot of loneliness. Mm-hmm. And so your whole book is about creating tribes and you you basically give the blueprint. Here's how to create a tribe in your community. Uh-huh. So obviously this was inspired by your experience, but tell us more about the book. And I, I'm obsessed with the book. I was reading it on a plane to Mexico and you describe your experience there, which I definitely want to get into one of the most traumatic things that can happen to a woman. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It's so powerful. Oh my God, I hope I didn't freak you out there. <laughs> A little bit. Little Not bit. the most awesome thing to read before you're going there. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, see, so this happened. So I'm very, you'll find that I create humor off of, off of trauma. So there you go. It's, it's my way of dealing with it. Um, no, yep. but it's truly, like, it's truly, I'm, I'm, I'm now healed and detached from it. That happened when I was 18. So what is that 20 years ago? So I've had a lot of healing time, but I will tell you, that I, it's in the book. I'm not going to share the entire thing, but I went to Mexico when I was 18 years old and super common thing down there, which I did not know was that a lot of girls get kidnapped, whether they're robbed or kidnapped. And some is overnight. Some is just for a couple hours. Some end up losing their life. So it's quite crazy. Um, and I can say the story now just with a lot less emotion because it has been so long. Um, and I have done, let me, t- I have done so much work around it, which is fantastic. So I guess that's something else that I want people to hear right now too. If you want to read the whole story, it's definitely in the book with a lot more detail around what all went down, but I am so on the other side that I can talk about it. Like it almost didn't happen to me. Wow. Um, and that's something that's so beautiful to experience. So, um, I was kidnapped for o- basically overnight And I had so many things that actually occurred during that so much fear that actually occurred during that. But I will tell you, that was the second time in my life that I had gotten one of those moments where, and tell me if you guys have ever had this, where you are either in the middle of a traumatic experience or a fight or something. And just this, you get this moment of pure calm where I had a voice that came in literally in the middle of, uh, of, I was in this person's cab. So I was, I don't know if I said that I was kidnapped by a cab driver. So basically taken into the heart of a jungle for like overnight where we physically fought and, you know, so many other things happened within that time span. But in the middle of it all, I had this moment of just clear, like clear voice that said, you're going to be fine this is totally fine. Like, and it was pure. It's like, I could hear everything. It's almost like I could hear the bugs outside. Like I could hear my heartbeat. I was just so clear that I was safe and that I was going to be okay. And so that also helped me pivot the conversation. And something that ended up happening is that I, I didn't even know this. I learned this right after something that I did when I was in the middle of this experience that I actually saw an Oprah episode that was talking about if you're ever kidnapped or you're ever in a situation like this, you try to humanize yourself 
mm-hmm. and try to um, make yourself not just a, you know, it's very, it's more challenging for the person to follow through with what they want to do. If you humanize yourself, give them details about your life. And that's what I started to do. I started to talk about at the time I had a little brother who was like four years old. Um, I, I tried to find things that we had in common. I noticed he had um, a bunch of like pictures of Mary up and he had like crosses and Jesus things everywhere. So I started to talk about God and I started to say like all of these different things that were coming in about just relating to that person, like connect with that person on a human level. And it was like a softness kind of just came over him and he was very confused. I could watch him as the softness came over, like fighting back and forth with what was going on and who he really was. So Mm. it was just how did I even start talking about this? I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I mean, I asked you because I felt like it was a huge takeaway for me because it, look, it's not about Mexico. This could happen anywhere at any time. And as women, what are the tools that we have in our back pocket? And what I learned from your story was humanizing it, just like you said. And, you know, you told him, like, God will forgive you and all of these mm-hmm. things. And I don't care if you're religious or not, but you played to what would affect him and it did. And that stuck with me. And I'm like, if I'm in trauma, I will talk about myself. And, you know, you see on TV people being like, I have a daughter or blah, 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 whatever it is. But it's like, sometimes it works on TV, sometimes it doesn't. Let that out of your head and just be like, how can I humanize? because probably there is a hurt little person in there. There's a hurt little boy in him that has created the monster that he has now become, but there might still be good in him. And you found that good in him. And that was like, I had chills on the plane, you guys. I can't even tell you. I was like crying. I was like, had chills. It was so crazy. Sorry, go ahead. No, what I was going to say, Lori, is first of all, you're very brave. Second of all, I had similar, two similar, not as intense as yours, but two similar experiences where I got mugged twice, mm-hmm. oh my both, God. where I had guns pointed at me, but both times they didn't get anything from me, no, nothing. I fought back. I I also had that moment of calm. Once, once I, well, first you freak out because you realize what's really going on. You have a mm-hmm. gun pointed at you. And then like I had this sense of calm and it was, it was like my self-preservation took over. Mm-hmm. And both times I was able to, one, I was able to outsmart them and find my way to a phone. And the second time I just ran my fucking ass off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I was severely traumatized after both, which but was nothing compared to what you went through because I was literally seconds that happened to me or minutes that it happened to me. But what I was going to say was, isn't it interesting that like you were saying earlier how you don't know, you know, you don't know if you're enough, you have self-doubt and you like feel badly about yourself or the stories that you tell yourself. But then in this moment, when someone is actually threatening to harm you, you were able to self-preserve and get yourself out of there. And that, isn't that interesting that like you'll beat yourself up, (laughs) but you wouldn't accept it from this person who took you. Mm -hmm. And that's just so strong and brave. Like there's many, unfortunately, many people out there that don't have that and succumb or aren't able to get themselves free. And, and that's the fighter in you. And I'm just so like impressed and anybody out there, like always fight for yourself, you know? Mm, I agree. And I want to, there's two things there that I want to say, and thank you so much for sharing that. It literally just makes it, it's really crazy how many, it's like one in three women, something like this has happens to. So, you know, here's the numbers right here. It's crazy. Um, Number one, like trauma is to me when, when people are like, Oh my God, something, cause I say it all the time. I'm like, Oh my God, you went through something so much more than I did. But trauma is the most traumatic thing that you've had 
up to that moment in your life. So some people could be listening and they're like, oh my God, I feel so stupid for feeling bad about, you know, my dad just saying something to me or for taking this so personal, something that was so small. And it's like, well, if that's the most traumatic thing you've experienced in your life up until now, then that is kind of the same amount of trauma in, you know what I mean? You're experiencing a large amount of trauma in your life. So they're kind of, they're not the same, but they are never downplay how you have felt um, in a certain situation. Like that, that was, I mean, if I had a gun pointed at me, oh my God, like that's true. That is so traumatic. Even if it was two minutes, like that's insane, you know? So I think that some of these experiences are, a 10 out of your 10, if that's the most trauma you've experienced. Yeah, yeah that's a, a 10 good point. out of your 10. So we're still at the same number. So for me, it's a 10 out of my 10. For you, that's a 10 out of your 10. And you don't know other levels because you haven't yet gone there. I don't know why I'm sharing that. But anyway. No, I, I hear you 100%. Remember that, I, you guys, I forget who said it or where this came from. If you know, please feel free to shout it out. But there is the saying, like, if everybody took their traumas and put it in the middle of a circle and you could take someone else's, everyone would take theirs back, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <It's true>. because <laughs> you look at everyone else's as worse because like for me, my trauma is completely different. Mine is about losing both my parents to cancer and being orphaned when I was 25. And I would still take mine back because I'm horrified to go through what either of you went through, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and you're probably Mm -hmm. horrified to think about losing both of your parents. So it's like, we would take our own trauma back because we have learned the skills and coping ability to deal with it. And to usually turn it into something greater than ourselves and help it use it to serve the world and have a use it for a greater purpose. Oh, that is, and thank you. And I'm so sorry to hear that. And it's, I have full body chills because I'm going to say something that some people won't agree with, but it's true to my life's path. Mm -hmm. My soul needed to go through that because I needed to wake up. And unfortunately for the path that I was on, I went so to the extreme opposite of part because I was in a restrictive religion. I think I was so surprised. I felt so suppressed Mm -hmm. and like, I didn't have anyone to share anything with. And I didn't have a great group of friends. We were all just in a really, I just had crappy people around me. I was on a path of drinking and drugs and I I was, I could not wake up. Like I was just going down a spiral so fast that if I didn't have something that was so eye opening, I think that I would have just destroyed myself. So I know looking back now, I can say that now that I had to have something that rocked my world so much and gave me that moment with that voice of clarity because Mm -hmm. I could not hear it before that. I felt so alone. I felt like I had turned my back on God or whatever you believe. And I just felt like that door was closed. And it was a moment of the door is never closed. I just turned my back on it. Lori, can you tell us a bit more about your religious background and how that affected you? Um, So I was raised um, as Jehovah's Witness, which honestly, I still, I would never, still to this day, I'm so grateful because even though it's, it's a restrictive religion where you actually can't associate with people, it's, it's frowned upon to associate with anyone outside of the religion. So I didn't have any friends outside of the religion and I was in a small town. So that made, that made it rather challenging. And I was also homeschooled through high school. So I was, I led a pretty sheltered life and also being in such a small town. I also feel that some of the things that may have been looked over or done in a different way in a bigger city because it was so isolated. I do feel like it was even a little more restrictive 
then maybe that religion is in other places. And I'm very aware of that now as well. For me, it was just constantly feeling like, you know, like I couldn't be myself or wondering why I couldn't question certain things or yeah, a lot of feeling like I couldn't go and do anything because we couldn't do extracurriculars either. And if you know me now, I'm like, oh my God, I need to dance. I need to sing. I need to like talk (laughs) to people. I need to write poetry. I need to be teaching. I need to, and we couldn't do any of those things. Even as females, we weren't like up out preaching on the platform. And I'm telling you, I think I'm meant to be a female preacher. Um, (laughs) And then also just a lot of, you know, going door to door and talking about the Bible. But the thing is, is that the way that we were talking about it, it was so, there's so many things coming from fear. And I'm just, I'm very clear now that my relationship with Source is not based on fear. It's based purely on love. And I wasn't able to get anywhere when I was trying to have that very fearful relationship. Um, I found that it was actually something that suppressed me and kept me really small. So I had to basically create an entirely new relationship, which meant that I had to leave that way of thinking, which was one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my life. Um, cause that was my tribe. That was cause I didn't have anyone. I didn't even, yeah, didn't you weren't even introduced that. Yeah. And did you have to say goodbye to your family? Do they still talk to you? They still talked to me, but I wasn't talking to them as much because if they found out what I was doing, then they wouldn't be able to talk to me. Does that make sense? I was totally leading a double life. Wow. Food Heals Nation, we have to tell you about a product we are obsessed with. You've heard us talk about it before. We had Daisy on the podcast. We love Banish. We love her story of growing up with acne and scarring since third grade. And after trying product after product, she discovered certain ingredients found in most skincare made her skin worse. And a lot of the products she used contained fragrance, dyes, and silicones, which aggravated her skin condition. So she worked together with a chemist friend to make skincare without those harsh ingredients. And it worked. She now has glowing skin. She's a Food Heals (laughs) regular around here because everyone is obsessed with her and everyone that's tried her products are raving about them. So we're super excited. She now has glowing skin and she's always asked, what is her secret? The core product is the Banish Kit, which comes with the Banisher. That sounds like so cartoony. I love it. I know. It's like a movie. (laughs) The the Banisher. The Banisher. And the (laughs) Banish Oil Vitamin C Serum. Food Heals Nation, you know how I feel about vitamin C. You got to get your vitamin C in your body and on your skin. The Banisher works by creating micro wounds into the skin. Sounds gross, but I've done it. It works. Into the skin in a controlled manner to cause skin to renew itself because the skin thinks it's injured, which it actually is. You're putting these tiny little holes on a micro level and then the skin actually goes to repair itself. It also greatly increases the absorption of the skincare products you apply right after using it. Yeah. And I just love the kit. And, you know, it is needles. But like I said on the podcast episode, it is not harsh. You do not feel it. If anything, it's just like a light massage. Like, don't worry about that. It is very renewing and healing to the skin. And there's no side effects. Your face doesn't like start peeling or turning red. Like if you went and did one of those like really intense, harsh facials. My skin turned red, but that's okay because that means you're bringing blood to the skin which is good. Okay. Yeah. So, but it's a temporary red. It's not, it's a temporary red. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've done those, um, really hardcore facials in the past where your, your skin is peeling for days and I'll never do any of those again, but that has been my experience. I just want to assure food heal station that yeah, even if you're red, it's not going to last. It's temporary. And I just feel like that means, you know, it's working plus the vitamin C 
you put on after. I mean, it's perfect. I think, you know, this country is very deficient in vitamin C. I think it should be in everything. My grandfather took so much of it. He reversed the arthritis in his spine. He lived to 99 and his skin was gorgeous. The man didn't have any wrinkles. He, I think, took more than his body needed and he megadosed, which they was a yes. thing they did in the 70s. But I love me some vitamin C and your skin will love it too. Yes, I agree. And I've been megadosing on vitamin C internally. And now that I've been using the vitamin C serum, I really do see a, a result. Like I think I am banishing my wrinkles because I put vitamin C on my face religiously now. And I didn't used to do that. And I think that it's made such a difference. So the products are made fresh to order. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee. Go to banish.com. Use the code FOODHEALSNATION for $10 off your first order for a limited time. You're listening to the Food Heals Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Did you find that creating a new tribe really helped you overcome the trauma of what happened to you in Mexico and growing up isolated? Is that what took you to the next level? So the reason for the whole book is because I spent so much time alone in between that, trying to transcend, trying to like become the person that I knew I was, trying to move forward, trying to forgive myself. And while you can absolutely get ahead, like I scratched and clawed and worked my way through so many different things. But what I realized is that you can forcefully get to where you're going, but it's not going, you're not going to arrive in the beautiful way that you expect as if you went with a tribe and it won't feel lasting and it also won't feel real. So, you know, there were years in there where I like clawed my way to what I thought was success was the getting that body that I wanted that got me the titles that ended up getting me covers that ended up getting attention. But I still felt I I ended up feeling more lonely because I was telling myself the story that everyone else was telling me as well that it's lonely at the top. And if you want to get anything done right, you have to do it yourself. And it's really lonely to be successful. And when you're successful, people don't like you. And this is a lot of this, you know, is my past religion also talking like, um, you know, money's evil. If you want things for yourself or you want to be out in the forefront, like that's not being humble. So there were a lot of struggles going on there, but that's when I realized, you know, even after getting to where you want to go, if you're not doing it with people, if you're not connecting to a group of people, you will feel so lonely and things will feel so challenging and you'll get depressed and you'll, you'll start to wonder what life is really all about. And that's why I created the book is because life is about other people. It's about connecting with other people and doing it together. Like this is why we are on the planet. We're a piece of a puzzle. And so if we're trying to build a puzzle on our own, no matter what you end up doing, you're never going to feel whole or complete. I don't care what people say. I get that they're like, oh, you have to complete yourself first. And yes, that is true. But I don't believe that we truly find where we fit and completely understand who we are until we bring people into our lives. Because I really do believe that in order to, um, I believe that we're whole right now, but I don't think that we can access certain parts of ourselves until we meet certain people. So I believe that we're whole, but it's locked up. So you meet someone and they might hold the key that unlocks what's already in you. So that's kind of how I view, you know, connecting with people. This is actually, Lori, why from my perspective of being a, I'll just say like entrepreneur, like someone with all the ideas that wants to do all of the things. And um, (laughs) what I love about your book is the fact that 
you come to the you know entrepreneurial perspective from the place of the collective and helping each other. And there are so many people that I still admire, but they are all about the hustle and doing things on your own. And like, it's just a turnoff. But at the same time, these are people I admire. So there's like this weird uncomfortableness with people that I admire because I'm like, well, I want to be like them, but I actually don't. But I want to follow what they did because they're doing Mm -hmm. something right. So there's all this like confusion. And then I read your book and I was like, girls got it. This is what we need. This is what mm. especially the females need. It, w- it would absolutely benefit so many men as well. But especially right now, this is mm. what we need. We need mm. our tribe. Okay. I love that you said that because that kind of goes into the, and number one, I can only so resonate with what you said and and all of, all of those people who are hustling right now because I've done both. And I'm very aware that with people is so much better, faster, and easier, and you get your answers quicker. But also that goes into the part uh, in the book talking about collecting people. Like we can still love those people. Like I can love those people who are out there hustling and like, I'm obsessed with Gary Vee, but I I love him for certain parts. And I'm also so grateful that he shows me how I don't want to do it either. How did you know I was thinking about him? (laughs) (laughs) I know because he is like the number one hustler, right? Like he, and so, so I take parts of people now. So this is kind of where the collecting people thing comes. I'm like, Oh my God, like I need some Gary Vee in my life because I'm actually almost going too extreme to the other side of like, ah, okay, let's just let it come in. And I'm like, no, I also know that this plays a beautiful role in manifesting is you got to get your ass out there and you got to hustle. So for a little while, I'm going to do that until it starts to feel like I'm pushing a boulder uphill and it's not going anywhere. So really tuning in and being like, okay, it's, you know what, it's time to hustle. I'm feeling a little airy fairy. I'm feeling a little disconnected. My feet aren't on on the ground. I don't have a plan right? Like, okay, so now I'm going to go over here and I'm going to get a plan. I'm going to feel really solid. I'm going to get inspired. I'm going to do this, but how can I also make sure that I'm building in time to check in? So it's like really appreciating those people because I can, I mean, the pendulum for me, I am one of those people who's like, I'm going to go all the way over here and ignore over there. And now I'm learning to like swing both ways, like continue to keep looking. And I love that. So it's like still love them for them. And be like, okay, what do you provide from me? So that's the idea of collecting people is saying, why do you love them? Even if there's just 5%, collect Mm. that 5% that you're obsessed with, put it in your pocket, love them, put them in your category of when you need them and like admire them for that. And also admire them for what else they're reflecting back at you that you don't want to be doing, because that's so important to have too. If we don't have that, we don't know what we don't want to be doing. I don't know. It's completely changed my mind on like just how I look at everyone. Like I kind of know where to go for when I need different things. Yes. Oh my gosh. And you know, someone else that is a really good example of doing this um, is both of our mentors. And she wrote the foreword to your book, Gabby Bernstein. Mm-hmm. And I have so many lessons and takeaways from her. But one of the things that she told me in person is you have to stop doing it all alone. She was like, I didn't mm. become Gabby Bernstein until I built this team and I and, and let things go that other people that were passionate about what I was doing could help me with. And so I would just ask the question to you, like what is one of the number one things, or you can list a few, like whatever things that you learned from Gabby, because we're both spirit junkies, we're both graduates. What would you mm. say like, she really taught you? Oh my God. I mean, there's so many things. Um, Honestly, this is a super challenging question because there are that many things. I think number one, she first 
provided me a space um, of a person who was being more her, like was, was stepping fully into who she was and she didn't care. So number one, first she gave me permission to start looking at parts of me that I wasn't owning, which was my spirituality, because I was so afraid to start sharing spirituality within. And, you know, I came from a fitness background, like who am I? Who's this fitness girl who does fitness programs and like just talks about fitness stuff to start? Are you kidding? Have you seen Jesus's abs? Have you seen (laughs) Jesus's abs? He was ripped. (laughs) I've never heard that. That is like the best thing I've ever heard. If if that's the only clip from this podcast, then that would make me happy. Um, (laughs) um, So just full on permission to like add parts, like add every dimension of yourself to what you're doing right now, because I think as women, the number one thing that we could do is add every dimension to ourselves, to our businesses. And it's just the more you, you can be, the more successful you will become. And the more of a magnet you will become. It just, you, I just was on a podcast with Drew Canoli and he said the word charisma, right? That's what attracts us to everyone. They just have this energy, this charisma. It means charisma actually is traced back to meaning Christ-like energy or Christ-like being. So it's like when you're the most you and the most like, you know, you're basically like, let's say a Gabby word, like super attractor. So Mm -hmm. I think that was the first thing she gave me was just massive. I'm watching this girl who's just like this everyday girl dropping, you know, F-bombs everywhere, talking about spirituality, cracking my soul open. And I'm like, wow, this is not what I'm used to right now. (laughs) And I loved it. I was like, wait, so I can be me because I'm pretty sure growing up my whole life, I was told to not be this. But I feel most powerful when I'm this. Like, literally, I'm going to do this podcast based on sooner or later, you're going to be caught being yourself. It's so much better to just Uh, come out and be you now. And it's going to change the game for you. So the more you you can be now, the more you'll be like, damn it, why didn't I just share that thing way sooner that was scaring me that I thought I'd be rejected by my family and my friends. And yeah, you probably will be, but it will always come back. Like the right people will come back. Your family will come back around. Like it will all work out, but you got to give yourself permission first. And that was the main thing for me that she did. That is beautiful. And I have a side note and I'm laughing right now. I don't know if Susie remembers what she said to Drew Cannoli on our podcast. Do you remember, (laughs) Susie? You're like, Drew, I've never said this before on a podcast, but if I weren't married, I would marry you. Now I remember. That's the best. I think I'm blushing right now. Now I remember. So speaking of you will one day be caught being yourself, Susie was just like, I have to say this, Drew. <laughs> but that's the best. And I guarantee you that's why some people they I I guarantee you got like people for real laughing out loud. Like but oh, yeah. for real. Is <laughs> because they resonate. They're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe she said that." I would I would have wanted to say that, but I wouldn't have and it probably would have been hilarious. So <laughs> Well, you know, that comes with, I mean, because I've always been a closet, I didn't know this till later in life, but a closet perfectionist, super hard on myself. But just like you, Lori, I wouldn't take someone else threatening me. Like when it came, like when push came to shove, I would stand up for myself. I might be quaking on the inside, but whether it be a fight with a girlfriend or a bully at school or whatever, or being mugged, I did stand up for myself. Um, And then later in life, and you know what it was too? I was mm. an actress for a long time. When I started to take improv, I started to care less mm. because when you because you have to fail at improv before you can fly. And yeah. 
little by little, I started to care less about the things that I used to, I would have, I would have been in my head. Should I say this? What are people going to, what are people going to think? Is this going to make me seem weird? Like I would overanalyze things before I would say them. And Mm -hmm. in improv, that's the death of funny. So you have to come from a place of authenticity and just go before you're ready. And when I started to do that, and I highly recommend improv for actors and non-actors just as a life tool, because it loosens you up, it frees you up, and it makes you care a little less. Mm -hmm. And comes from a place of just fun and playing, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of adults lose. You know, I I look at little kids and I love them to death. I love children. And they're just, they come from a place of authenticity. They come from a place of charisma. Mm -hmm. Not always. Sometimes they cry and whine and scream, but they're at least being authentic. (laughs) uh, I love that you shared that because I think that that's so important. It's, It's funny is actually one of the things that I'm trying to own even more because at my core, I could, I can honestly tell you, you know, whenever you do those uh, personal development exercises, like whenever you go to any event, if you guys go to events listening, um, if you guys are like reading a lot of self-development books or things like that, it's always like, what are your, what's your favorite core emotion that you like to spend the most time in or whatever. And mine's always fun in humor and making people laugh. That's probably my number one. Like for some people it's like, connection and giving. And I'm like, no, mine's fun and funny. (laughs) Like that is where I want to be, but that's what I suppressed for so long because, Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. I think so much, so much can be related to that, especially, you know, if you're religious, like, cause a lot of humor is like very, like, you know, it can be really, um, suppressive. Humor can be, yeah. It's, it's like, sometimes you need to be provocative for humor to work. Sometimes you need to be a total pervert. Sometimes you need to be like (laughs) off color. Sometimes you need to, you need to say exactly how, just like what you said, you have to say exactly what everyone else is thinking that everyone is afraid to say, but that is the overall place that you connect with everyone. And that's why it's funny is because it's one of those things that it's like, Oh my God, we were all thinking that, or, Oh my God, that is weird. Or, Oh my God, that's so weird. It's funny. And I think for so long, I just put that down and I was like, Oh my God, that's, you can't share that with people. So I'm trying to own that more and more. And I think that we do, we block it out because we're afraid we won't be taken serious or we'll be judged. And I think that if we, if we did one thing for ourselves, it would be try to get that out and play more. Like you said, like just try to go try on things that make you feel free. I feel like this is for me right now. Thank you guys both. Cause I think the whole time Susie and I have been doing the podcast, I've been relying on Susie for the comedic relief so that I could make sure we're always staying on track and we're always going in a direction and we're sharing the transformational <laughs> story in a way that makes sense. Right. And so I've almost suppressed something that might make people giggle because I'm like, well, I just need to move on with the story instead of making a joke. And I've relied on Susie to make yeah. the jokes because Susie's so funny. And it's like, I can let go a little bit. Oh, you're welcome, Suze. <laughs> but I mean, it honestly, and I, I and I've thought about this a lot because, like, sometimes I do feel more free, and sometimes I do, especially when the podcast is just getting started. I'm like, all right, we have to move it in this direction. We have to take them on a journey, and all of these things. When the listener probably doesn't give a shit, you know? mm-hmm. Allie, you are like the cruise director on a ship, and I get to be the events coordinator on the Lido deck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm happy to be the captain if you want to do, you know, a bocce game on the Lido deck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, babe. I appreciate you. I appreciate no you both so much. This do is you know such what, a though? fun conversation. Like yeah. you can literally be a funny captain. Like, <laughs> like you can, can you be give both. Me permission? 
Do I get permission? Oh my God. You have full permission to be a funny <laughs> captain. Like what a great combo. Like, you know, when people go and surprise you and you're like, wait a minute, you're, you have this position and you're funny. Like it is, a, it's the best of both worlds. So you can be both, you can dance in both. And honestly, I think that humor is actually more. So here's my personal opinion right now. I am in a realm of when I go and speak, I'm adding so much humor that I have moments of like, oh my God, I'm not, I'm not actually helping them transform. And then I'm like, are you kidding me? Humor and laughter is actually one of the most transformative states you can be in. Absolutely. Like you are so open. You are so letting go. You are in a, like, I believe it's one of the most spiritual states that you can be in for sure. Hands down. So giving yourself that permission to also go there and be like, you know what, have a couple podcasts where you don't direct, like where you're just like, what if, what if I actually take this out of my hands and like, let God direct or whatever you believe and be like, it's going to be you guys, you, all you guys have to do is like show up. I know you know this, but I, I'm actually talking to myself right now, just so you know. <laughs> should, we, should we take a break or? I know. I'm like, should, should I just go? Per- oh my God, some personal coaching. Okay, there. Okay, it's out. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you ladies for giving me permission and I appreciate you. And I do the same thing when I'm, I'm always practicing my speech before I give it and I'm doing it in front of my husband. I usually have like three jokes and then he's like, all right, back up. What if you said this? And then he gives me like a brilliant line and it, in the audience, it changes everything because now mm. I've been able to relate to them on a new on a new level that I didn't have in my original speech because I'm like I have to stick to giving them the tips and tricks that work. Well, and that's why you- that's why comedians when they're good are so loved because it's hard to make people laugh, and that's why when they bomb, when comedians are just learning. It's like, you know, crickets. It's like, no, like no love because it's all or nothing. And it's difficult. It's hard to be funny. It's not, you know. Well, you're pretty funny. So I don't think it's that hard for you to be funny. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I was grew up in a very funny family and everybody was competing for laughs and we were watched a lot of funny movies and like it was always huh. just a part of how we lived. And I'm grateful for that. We laughed at everything. There was nothing. And I personally believe that, that that you should be able to laugh at everything, that everything should be able, because life is just ridiculous sometimes. It doesn't always make sense and it doesn't always feel good. But if you can find a way to laugh at yourself or whatever you've been through, or you can heal faster, you know, it's a higher mm-hmm. energetic state. Oh, I totally agree with that. And this, you know, honestly, bringing this all the way back around to like connecting in tribe, it's kind of like the the reason that I'm able to now feel like I can express that and go and fly in whatever area that I want to is because I was, I had the safe space to try that on. And that was within really, truly my tribe. I claimed what I felt like I was lacking. I claimed a part of me that I was like, I'm totally still suppressing this. And through my masterminds and through my connections with women, they were like, they challenged me. They were like, okay, you can't prep for this and you're not allowed to be serious in this. And what would this look like if you delivered it in a way that felt truly you? And I was like, oh damn, it wouldn't look anything like the way I think I'm going to deliver it. (laughs) And so it's tribe has been the safest place for me to learn to be funny again, because it's not like I can just be like, turn it on like a switch. I'm sure there's some people listening who are like, oh my God, I don't feel like I'm funny or I don't feel like I could own that certain part of me. And I think that's why it's so important to, um, if you listen to the conversation, it was like, you were just like, okay, well, okay. Can I have that permission? Okay. Do I have to be the director? Okay. And, and while yes, that's, we were kind of just talking about it lightly. There's still a part of you that's like, okay, I got the permission that I needed. And I said what I needed to say to feel like, okay, maybe now I could do that. 
And now if it comes, it won't be a surprise. And now I'll, you know, give myself permission because we said it out loud. So I think that Tribe is a super safe space because that's what we have here exactly right now, right? This is exactly what we're doing is kind of like calling out what we want to do more of and who, what parts of us we want to claim and like then making it intentional of how would we do that? What would it look like? So this was just so divine and magical that it just, it came all the way around to like, this is what we're doing. This is what tribe does for you. It's like, who do you want to be? And that's okay. Like be weird. This is safe. I'm not going to think anything of you as long as you don't think anything of me. And that's why I love masterminds and anything in a group with women, which I know is what you promote. And I think this is like a perfect segue into also manifestation, because I know that you, Lori, are a queen manifester. And I just love it when you share your stories on the show, your Earn Your Happy podcast. If we haven't talked about that yet, Food Heals Nation, we will, because it's a great show. How did you manifest becoming a speaker on Oprah's latest cruise? Oh my God, this is so exciting. I still can't believe it. I mean, I can. I'm so happy for you. Okay. Let's talk about that. Thank you so much because I, uh, so let me talk about when you start to, when you learn that you are understanding what manifesting actually means when it comes, it feels so different when it comes because when that came, when I got that email, when I was traveling, so this happened, of course it happened when I finally disconnected from any outcome and created some space. So I went and traveled for like two months, which mm-hmm. to the old me, even two months ago, if you would have asked me, that would have thrown me into a freaking tizzy. Cause I would have been, sure. been like, my world's going to end. I'm going to lose all my customers. Like, <laughs> like, no, like I have to, like, I just had a belief that you can't do that. Right. And this shattered every paradigm I had about that. In fact, it made me realize how vital it is to open that space up because I was filling so much space with just doing instead of being that my doingness was blocking the things that I actually was, you know, waiting to come in. So when I let go of all outcomes and when, you know, a month into travel, I was in this crazy space of like, wow, I don't really care what even comes in. Like I had completely detached from every outcome. I was like, I don't care what happens with the rest of this book. Like, I know it's out in the world. I did, you know, I showed up in the way that I wanted to show up. I created what I wanted to create. I, I don't really care what happens in the rest of my, like I was almost too detached, but apparently it wasn't too detached. And, um, all of a sudden I get this email that's like, okay, we'd love to have you as one of our main facilitators on Oprah's yearly cruise. And I was like, of course, like, so, (laughs) and I really (laughs) felt that way. Like I was so calm that Chris was like, wait, let me see the email. Cause I was just like, Oh, I'm going to be a facilitator on Oprah's cruise. Of course. And your husband's I literally like, I'm said sorry, that. What? <laughs> I literally was like, of course I've been, this is coming. I knew it was coming. I already knew it was happening. This is already how I see myself. There's many other things like this happening. And I was like, awesome. I can't wait. Instead of if you would have, if this would have come even last year, I would have been, first of all, I would have been so excited. I would have jumped through the roof and then I immediately would have been freaked out and said, I'm not ready. That's where I want to segue into like manifesting is creating such a real feeling in your life that it's already been happening and it's already a part of you. So you're excited, but it's already, you're living it already. Like I'm actually already living in that space of knowing that that's who I am and where I'm going. I've already done these talks like in, on her stages. I've already, I already know. I think that's, you know, I, I visualize every single day. So if I can tell anybody one thing, it's like create a space for yourself for five to 10 minutes every day where you don't just see it, but you feel what it would feel like. 
And then as soon as you feel that so much tap into that feeling during the day, and that's the feeling that if you're already feeling it, you already have it. So with or without the Oprah cruise, I already had the feeling. So yeah. when it came, it was just the phys- actual physical manifestation that I got to live into, even though I had already been living in these feelings of who I think I would be and what it would feel like to be the person who was doing it and have the people know that you were doing it because I already allowed myself to live in that space and living in that space of being that person who could hold that container is the feeling that attracts all of it. And in episode 262 of Earn Your Happy, you really went through the steps and I really appreciate that. So anyone listening that you're like, I want to delve deeper into this manifestation thing. I know Susie and I talk about it a lot, but I really like how you broke it down in that episode. Oh, good. Yeah. Go to that. Cause I can't remember all of them right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we record everything because then you can tell someone how to do something. Go back and listen. Exactly. I don't know what I said. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know you podcast. You're like, and, and for real, when you podcast, you're just, you're literally, when you drop in, you're just a conduit. So even when I'm speaking and people are like, oh, say what you just said again. Like, have you ever had someone be like, oh, tell me what you said there. You're like, I don't know. I wasn't yes. saying it. <laughs> oh my God. All the time. I'm like, oh, I said that. That sounds really brilliant. I'm like, that yeah. is so smart. I should go back <laughs> and listen to myself. <laughs> that happens with my book. I swear to you, I read my book and I'm like, I did not write this. Like I do not remember writing certain parts of the book. And you're not the first person to say that. So that is really fascinating that you are just like downloading something that the world needs to hear. Yeah. So if you ever feel like I'm not the person who could write a book, you're not gonna. So don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Like something else is going to come in at some point, And you're going to be like, I am freaking brilliant. And then the next day you'll be like, I suck so bad. And the next day you'll be like, I'm brilliant. It was such a roller coaster ride. I'm telling you, but that's just the whole part of like, that's why you got to visualize. That's why you got to tune in. That's why you got to do, do the work is because you just won't do it yourself. Yeah. I think I, I totally agree with you, especially about the writing process. And Susie and I are both working on so many writing projects. And I feel mm. like there are so many ups and downs of it. And when you're up and you're like almost channeling something, you're on fire. And then sometimes it is like that writer's block and you're sitting on the blank page and I'm like, you know what? I have to go do something else right now because I'm not meant to write at this moment. And that's okay. Yep, totally. All right. So we have your podcast, Earn Your Happy. You have your book, A Tribe Called Bliss. You have multiple events. You have the Bliss Project in March of 2019. I know you're going to be at Thrive. Tell everyone about your ventures, where they can find you online, follow you, all that good stuff. Oh, thank you guys. First of all, this was so much fun. I feel like we got to do exactly what women love to do and it's go down rabbit holes and analyze and talk and... (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Maybe not all women, but us women. So thank you for that. I had a great soul filling hour with you and you can find me at, let's see on Instagram. It's just at Lori Harder. And then everything else is pretty much housed at Lori Harder.com. So anywhere I'm speaking, I'm doing a round two of the book tour in November. So I will be in Austin, uh, Texas, Atlanta and Chicago. So hopefully I can be in a room with you guys at some point. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Well, congratulations. And I have a question for you. At your events, whether it's the cruise, the Bliss Project, or um, an event that someone else is hosting that you're speaking at, are how accessible are you? Because I know a lot of listeners want to go to these events and really connect with the person who's speaking. And sometimes it's really available and sometimes it's really not. And so can you talk a little bit about that? Um, it depends on the event. So if it is my book tour, I'm super accessible. I literally talk to each person and get a picture with you. If it's Bliss Project, 
I am typically as accessible as possible on breaks, but there's so many people there. You can't really talk to everyone. Right. Um, but book tours are definitely the best. And also just Instagram. I respond to every, I try to respond to every single story. If someone like shoots me a story or posts like that or Insta message, what am I calling a DM? Yeah. See, I'm not too old yet. (laughs) DM. Um, (laughs) And last thing, just tell us about your event. It's called the bliss project. It's here in LA. Well, it's in Newport beach, but close enough. March 1st through March 3rd. What's going to happen there? Oh my God. It's going to be the best weekend of your life. I'm serious. Um, wow. Okay. (laughs) You're all about it. Go. Seriously. It is, it's pure. Like I'm all about the fun. I mean, I'm also about deep transformation and I'm all about you showing up fully you. I'm going to give you space to try on certain parts of you that you have not gotten to try on. We're absolutely going to confront some of our stories and release those. You're going to have fun. You're going to move your body. You're going to connect. You're going to do as much as you want to do, but I'm also going to push you to some of your edges. And if you want to go there, you're absolutely going to create the transformation that you want, but that's totally on you. So I think that's part of my event is just really, I make people take ownership for their transformation. Like I create the space, but they have to show up. So it's just, it's fun too. It offers every realm. I want you to experience every realm of yourself. That is beautiful. Well, I love it. I hope to be there. Susie and I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing so authentically and candidly. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Lori. Oh, thank you guys so much. I had so much fun talking to you. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben & Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately.